I always kind of knew, I think now looking back, uh, I think, and I think this is an important thing too, is like our exposure and education to the LGBTQ community as a kid growing up, I didn't really know what being gay was, you know, it wasn't really in TV yet and things like that. And so I just knew I was like kind of different. I was always a tomboy. I always wanted short hair uh, when I was younger. I always wanted to wear boys clothes, but then it wasn't like as acceptable, you know, people could start picking on you and stuff like that. So I wanted to fit in and I did. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the selfie show, you guys. I am officially dubbing this Fun Friday. We get to release a bonus episode. And for this next month, I feel like we get to do this a couple times. So I'm really excited about that. I'm here for that for you and me. This is just so much fun. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Tori Meskin, and I am the founder of the Selfie Podcast, a platform dedicated to all the amazing things going on here in the healthcare space. I'm just here making healthcare hip one selfie at a time, you guys, and we're going to be doing part two of Vanessa's episode. So we started out with part one, where we talked to Vanessa about her transition from being a NICU nurse to a COVID frontline provider. And if you haven't heard that episode, episode number 21, I highly recommend it to you guys. It's very informative um, and honestly, just hearing her perspective about her experiences in Boston during the heat of the pandemic was remarkable. So today, we're going to wrap up that conversation and then we're going to transition into a really important part of Vanessa's life and something I really wanted to platform here with you guys today. I think we are in such an amazing time where we are really trying to have these conversations and understand everyone's perspectives. And so Vanessa today is going to open up here to you guys about being an LGBTQT nurse and her perspective as a gay beautiful, amazing woman. We're going to be talking about the full spectrum of gender identity, gender neutral mindset, culturally competent and unbiased care. We're also going to be talking about advocating and fighting for rights to marry, adopt, to become parents. And this is Pride Month. And I love that. I think we have made exceptional steps forward as a society, but do we have room for improvement? Yes. Of course we do. And you guys know we are an open-minded platform here. I want to hear all these conversations. I want to hear the good, the bad, the ugly, the sprinkles on top, the extra glitter on the side. Like I want to hear it all. And that's why today talking to Vanessa was so amazing. I feel very lucky to have her as a friend and I really wanted to amplify her voice and hear from the LGBTQT nurse perspective. Not only that, we're going to be diving into her experiences as a pediatric nurse practitioner student. We'll be going into some root issues. We're going to be deep diving today into so many things that we see in the healthcare community. And it's going to be a fabulous episode. So without further ado, you guys, let's dive in. As far as mass media goes, because social media is its own thing, but for mass media, how do you think it would have been handled better? This whole situation, the pandemic, especially because, I mean, you were there. You saw the worst of the worst. As far as handling the mass situation, so I've seen a lot of posts about how 
you should wear a mask because it's going to protect the people around you. It's not for you. It's for everyone around. I think that's the worst approach because we're so individualistic, unfortunately. I think we're seeing other countries do better in these situations because they came together more as a community and decided and took took the initiative to prioritize everyone's health and safety together. over anything else as a unit uh, together, right? I think that we're just so individualistic in our country that that approach just doesn't work to say it's so that you protect, even if it's your own family. I've seen people say like thing. I just can't even believe the things that I see on social media sometimes about, well, I mean, it's only like the sick or it's only the older people. So it's like all of a sudden there's a pandemic and we just don't care about those people. I mean, I just can't even wrap my head around that thought process. So I think uh, the approach to masks, I think it should have been nationwide from the start. And, you know, obviously with state rules and the separation between the federal government and the state government, it makes it more difficult. And so Mm -hmm. that didn't happen. I think that our leaders should have, um, again, this is not any kind of political thing, but they need to be our role models. Our leaders really need to step up and be role models for the entire country. And they're not doing that. And so if you see the leader of a country saying, you know, you don't need to wear a mask, Mm And what are people going to do? Yeah, and it's also a different and interesting dynamic. I was listening to another podcast that was explaining how, you know, what's being said up at the top, aka the White House, um, a lot of states will basically deny that or say, well, this is how we're going to run it. And then underneath them, there are communities that say, well, this is how, you know, it's this community, this is how we're going to run it. That mayor makes a decision, they change their mind. So it's this really interesting dynamic of our leadership as a country did not band together. They did not come together as a whole. I also feel like um, a lot of mass media speaks out of turn and uses terminology and says things way out of out of place the way that they were saying things and the actual information was also misinformation um there was a lot of misinformation about you know drugs that were being used here's the reality even medical we don't know we still don't know a lot about this virus we're still are learning mm-hmm. and you know now um around the country there are kids starting to pop up positive there are babies that are starting to pop up positive and we don't know you know we're still learning and so i think the my biggest thing is getting really frustrated is with our mass media you know kind of like you i've turned it off because i'm sick of hearing the things that i'm like no i just i can't listen to it anymore I think a lot of us healthcare are very frustrated. It's, really, it's almost insulting. It right? is. Because like in one, it, even some people who, when I said I was going to Massachusetts, messaged me and said, oh my gosh, you're a hero. That's so brave of you. They're posting things about like, well, it's my right not to wear a mask and it's my right not to do this. Or, you know, it's it's all a hoax. It's a, it's a scam. It's a conspiracy from our government to control us and things like that. And I'm kind of like, how can you tell me like, hey, you're a hero. And then like post things like that. Like it's insulting. And I just hope that that person doesn't run into the situations that like I've run into and have to have their family member in the hospital, you know, and I I even took care of this, this patient and the adult kids came in and they were like, you know, I thought this was all just a joke. I thought this was a lie. And we had to tell them that their mother was not going to survive. 
And yeah, it's just this misinformation that's been spread that it's just, it, and it became such a political issue. And I don't understand how a pan, a global pandemic, this has affected the entire world, how the United States turned it into a polarizing political issue. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just really uh, a time that we needed to come together and tackle this as a community, as a nation, as a, a, a unified society, as, you know, everyone's so proud of the U.S. of A. You know, we needed to embrace that, protect ourselves, take care of our people, and we really failed. We dropped the ball. Yeah, I agree. It's really sad, but I fully agree. And I think, especially now, because it's interesting, here we are, we have all these spikes in several states. And, you know, unfortunately, now those providers, those frontline providers are having to care for all these people who weren't respecting other people. And and I do think there's this, like, element of why don't we care enough about our fellow man to just wear the damn mask? Just to be, you know, mindful of other people, you know, and I would get kind of frustrated feeling like certain people didn't want to be around me, you know, especially because I work in a hospital, but I can't blame them. You know, I get it. I'm like, that's fine. And that's totally your feeling about it. And, you know, we need to respect people enough to, to let that be. So if you could pinpoint something or maybe like have a word of advice for maybe upcoming nurses. My advice uh, to nurses, and we talked about this a little bit already, is to not feel trapped. There's always another option for you. Coming into nursing, I feel like there's kind of this idea that, you know, like we talked about, once you get into a hospital, you're like, have to stay there kind of thing. You don't. If you're unhappy, you need to go out there and find your happiness. You need to be happy where you're working. And there's so many different specialties that you can work in and you don't even have to work in a hospital. You can work wherever you want, really. They have nurses everywhere. Figure out what it is that makes you happy and go and do that. If you wanna go back to school, go and do that. Don't ever let anyone tell you otherwise. I always hear people, like even since I've gone back to school saying, oh, well, like you don't make that much more money as a nurse practitioner. Why would you want to do that anyway? I already make that much money, you know, or or things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, I don't know if it's because people can be jealous sometimes or envious or whatever the situation is, but do what makes you happy and what's better for you. Because at the end of the day, you and your family, that's all that matters. And as a nurse in general, and especially talking about taking care of COVID patients, being out there on the front line to everyone that's out there, take care of yourself. It's so easy to get trapped into the overtime. It's so easy to let it totally just engulf you. I know working out might not be everyone's thing. I'm into it, so it helps me a lot. I try to make sure I prioritize that. Try to meditate. There's, There's... uh, I know it's kind of like a weird thing and it, it was weird for me to start, but there's a little playlist of guided meditation on Spotify or YouTube. Oh, it's awesome. You sit I there use Headspace five, too. Yeah, Headspace, Headspace is great. Yeah. You sit there for five, ten minutes and it does, it helps me. You know, sometimes I cry. It's just yeah. this weird thing to just take a second that a lot of people don't do. Just to take a second, sit down, close your eyes and just reflect or don't think about anything. Just control your breathing and... Uh, focusing on that, eating right, that was one thing we really prioritized, trying to prevent being sick, you know, taking our vitamins. You know we what's funny is we don't talk a lot about that. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of talk about how to prevent this. I, and I absolutely agree. I got really frustrated also because a lot of providers would say things like, um, you know, there's nothing you can do to prevent this. It's a virus. And, 
you know, here's the thing. At the end of the day, there's a lot of people who had this virus and they were healthy and they mm-hmm. were able to battle it to a certain mm-hmm. degree. And I get there's different levels of probably getting exposed to this. And but I do think there was not a lot of talk about, OK, how do you improve your immune system? How do you maximize yourself to make yourself the healthiest so you can potentially fight it off you know and yeah. I, I think that's actually a really and good point. I, I I'm a little bit like I'm interested in exercise and nutrition so we could talk about this for like a long that would time, be a whole separate podcast yeah, that a whole we separate thing. Love. <laughs> but um yeah I mean just focusing on eating healthy eating more whole foods you know vegetables fruits diversifying the colors on your plate is, tends to be kind of like a good tip for people like don't eat the same thing like over and over and over although there's not really anything I guess wrong with that but what I'm saying is like the the nutrients minerals everything that you can get from the foods that you maximize eat, we really need to focus and uh, think about food as medicine because it really is the food that we eat can really change your life and um, I think it's a microbiome. It's mm-hmm. a lot of information coming out about that. Yeah. So there are so many dynamic parts to you. Um, before we segue into the next section, if you you're writing an autobiography, what would this chapter be titled? The end of the world as we know it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, this is an interesting chapter of everybody's life. Um, but so you are one of the most dynamic people I've ever met, and I love it. This is why I wanted partly I wanted to bring you in today. So we're in a super polarizing time, and we happen to be in Pride Month. Yes. I'm super, and we had talked about this a year ago. We were I was going to try and come to Pride with you a year ago. Yeah, in Long Beach. Long Beach. Yeah. Um, so I want to bring you on and talk about this aspect of your life because I absolutely love it. And I think it's super dynamic. Um, and I think we're in this time of people want to be open and want to have these conversations and, you know, be able to understand in areas of your life where maybe you're ignorant or don't understand and maybe have an open conversation about this. So you identify as queer, gay. Yes. And I identify as female. As female. I prefer female pronouns. However, I have short hair. I present a little bit more uh, masculine. I wear more yeah. masculine clothing. Okay. Um, but I do identify as female and I use she, her, hers pronouns. So talk about maybe the beginning. Um, when did you start like realizing this was like a big part of your life? Like I am, I'm queer, I'm gay. How did that kind of happen for you or start for you? Hold on before we get into that. There's definitely something that we have covered over the past two episodes that I feel is very important and something that Vanessa has helped us tap into, which is our mental health. This time has been so crazy. And for sure, I know so many providers who will be experiencing PTSD, some sort of anxiety. There's just this crazy level of uncertainty that we're all dealing with. And so I wanna offer this to you, better help. So let me give you the deets. BetterHelp is making professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So literally anyone who struggles with life's challenges, anxiety, PTSD, all of the above can get help anywhere, anytime. Specifically, BetterHelp offers access to licensed, trained, experienced, and accredited psychologists, marriage and family therapists, clinical social workers, and board licensed professional counselors. 
whether you're looking for individual counseling, couple counseling, teen counseling, you can communicate your way into a therapy that works for you. And let me get specific about this. So you go online and you take a quick quiz and it takes you through a series of questions to personalize your experience. So you can get to a therapist who fits your needs. And let me tell you, this network is huge. They have over 7,000 accredited experienced counselors that will match to you. And you know how I feel about this. Mental health is worth the investment. Not to mention the fact that this is more affordable than traditional counseling. So if you guys want to head over to try this out, head over to betterhelp.com forward slash selfie, C-E-L-L-F-I-E and get 10% off of your first month. That's again, betterhelp.com forward slash selfie. All right, you guys, let's get back to the show. I always kind of knew, I think now looking back, uh, I think, and I think this is an important thing too, is like our exposure and education to the LGBTQ community as a kid growing up, I didn't really know what being gay was, you know, it wasn't really in TV yet and things like that. And so I just knew I was like kind of different. I was always a tomboy. I always wanted short hair uh, when I was younger. I always wanted to wear boys clothes, but then it wasn't like as acceptable, you know, people could start picking on you and stuff like that. So I wanted to fit in and I did. But in high school, I had like my first girlfriend kind of situation starting my freshman year of high school. It was difficult. It was difficult to come out. I mean, I think social... back then it wasn't accepted as much as it. No, you know what I mean? like gay it was marriage not... wasn't legal yet, yeah. and everything. So it was really hard. My parents had a really hard time with it. My brother is gay too, so my parents were blessed with two gay children. They were <laughs> oh, kind of um, old school Latino. Yeah, and your my dad was dad's police officer. machismo, yeah, mm. police officer and stuff. And so it was hard for them. They're great now. They're great now. We're really close, but it was really, I had a really, really hard time with it. Uh, I really didn't get to discover who I was, explore it, really figure out kind of like my gender identity until I went to school. Uh, I went to San Diego State, like I mentioned, and it was a more uh, liberal, progressive area. I kind of grew up in a, not in a real small town. I don't think as small as you, but like it was a smaller town. We were in a district and had like the smaller high school, smaller sports teams, things like that. Everyone grew up, went to elementary school, like pretty much all the way through the high school together. And so it's hard like growing up like that. And especially during a time when it wasn't so accepted. So once I went to school, I was like, Hey, there's like a lot of other gay people. And there was a gay neighborhood Love in Hillcrest, that. you know, in San yeah. Diego. And I was like, this is crazy. And, um, I think it was my sophomore year. I actually took an elective LGBT. It was like, gay and lesbian identities or something like that course and it was the first time I had heard about the spectrum of sexual orientation and the spectrum yeah. of gender identity and I realized you know things aren't always so black and white and I just was able to kind of feel comfortable in my own skin and realize you know this is just who I am and this is how I'm happy and if you're okay with that then great and if not then I don't know what to tell you yeah. so yeah it really wasn't until high school or uh, I went to college that I really kind of grew into myself it's interesting because like my experience with it growing up was I was raised my mom we've talked about this my mom was LAPD briefly and then she actually went into her love of horse training and so I grew up in in the horse world it's very a lot of the trainers it's a gay community it's really interesting oh, I did so not know that. oh very much and it's so much fun. I mean, I grew up around the gay community 
pretty much my whole life. So to me, it's like, whatever. I also have cousins who are gay. So it's very much close in my realm. And I love it. And I'm such a supporter of my gay community. I love this whole movement. I'm super thankful that we're here. But it is interesting because I do think we're still in a place of understanding, right? And being able to really like dive into this as a as a whole, as a community, be more open, be more, you know, accepting of everyone. What does Pride Month really represent to you? Like, what is this time and the time that we're in even right now? Yeah, I, so Pride Month is important. I think I've heard people say, well, you know, there's no straight pride, so why do you need gay pride? <laughs> you know, it's just, you never had to fight for, um, Sorry, not you specifically, but no, in general, heterosexual like people, people I'm that here for say that. that. Yeah, you know, you're right. You, you never had to fight for the right to get marry married, someone, yes. it, to adopt children mm. or be parents, you know? Um, and so it's a reminder also of things like the Stonewall riots and, you know, not to be like cheesy and cliche, but it is a reminder of the people who have died and, you know, honestly today are still dying mm -hmm. fighting for rights in our community. Yeah. Um, trans, especially black transgender women are targeted and killed and it's not talked about very much right. and it needs to be and so i think a lot of people thought well you guys can get married now so you're good what are you celebrating why are you why is there pride month like no it doesn't stop it being able to get married you know it was just determined that healthcare providers can discriminate against transgender individuals and so there, there's still even though i don't identify as transgender it is my community and, you know, this battle isn't done and we need to con continue to advocate for, you know, everyone in these in this community. It's not just about gay marriage. It's also, there's also fights going on about whether or not um, adoption agencies can discriminate against gay and lesbian couples. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's it's an ongoing battle. So it's, it's important, but it is a reminder. Pride Month in itself is a reminder of, you know, how far we have gotten yeah. and also the work that needs to be done. Um, it's really interesting that you bring that up because on, I started at a job, um, I'd say maybe like a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago. And in the orientation, it's in, in Los Angeles. And in the orientation, they had a whole day dedicated to um, the queer, the LGBT um, community. And because the center that I work at is the number one center for sex um, changes. So they do like wow. they're the center for it. So okay. it was really fun because they had five or six people come in. Some of them identified as queer. Some were gay. We had trans. We had people that had you know gone through the whole process and the hormone replacement and things like that. And they were teaching us as healthcare providers you know, sort of how to approach it. And I thought that was really interesting and, you know, helping us understand also like pronouns, like what's the difference? Why do you want to identify that way? And I thought that was a really big step in the healthcare community because I feel like, you know, we don't really think about it. I mean, in healthcare, we really are taught to be neutral, right? Like it doesn't matter what religion, how you orientate, it doesn't matter what gender, but it is important to really understand in our patients. Mm -hmm. Have you felt, I mean, as, as a healthcare provider, how do you feel about this? If you have a problem taking care of transgender individuals in healthcare, don't be in healthcare. I just can't wrap my head around that. We, I, I think too with the COVID thing going on, people are like, well, you signed up for this. Well, yeah, we signed up to take care of patients, but we didn't sign up to take care of patients that without protection, right? 
but we did sign up to take care of patients gay straight black white it doesn't matter and you know we can take care of people that are in like arrest have been arrested we can take it doesn't matter who you're taking care of you need to leave that bias at the door Mm -hmm. and take care of your patient that that's how i feel about it i i think it's black and white i don't really maybe it's just my very strong opinion i'm the same way but i just feel like there's no conversation for that if you have a problem we need to be able to provide culturally competent compassionate unbiased care and if you can't do that you're in the wrong profession i mean speaking personally have you ever had misdirected ignorance towards you as a person but maybe more specifically as a nurse have you ever had specifically as a nurse not really um However, I don't think that people would say things to my face. What I do notice and what I have heard is slurs and prejudice against transgender people. And even um, more rarely, I've heard some kind of like racial slurs. And when I hear things like that, what I think is, okay, so you're not telling me things to my face, but I don't know what you're telling people when I walk away. If you're feeling comfortable to say things like that around people, you know, um, LGBT so lesbian and gay rights are we're 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 in a community with a transgender community and we don't have the same issues we we face different issues but there is an overlap in issues and one way I kind of look at that along with issues with racism is they all very much go hand in hand and so people that are most oftentimes racists aren't really cool with gay people and so when I hear people saying racial slurs or talking about the transgender community it it just shows me that you're not really accepting of everything and you're probably not that accepting of me so that's kind of the issue I mean I get misgendered um sometimes at work it's a mistake it's not that big of a deal but I do know for other people it is a way bigger deal I've just kind of I guess gotten used to it Most of the time, people correct themselves very quickly or apologize. Um, that's my one of my biggest issues that I face because I am gender non-conforming. So going outside of the hospital. Yeah. Um, a- another big topic that's been talked about is like the transgender bathroom laws. And what people don't realize is that those laws and those rulings on those laws trickle down to the community as a whole. So because I'm gender non-conforming, it also affects me too. Because when I go, I have a lot of anxiety actually going to the bathroom in public places. It's very difficult for me. I think it surprises people when I tell them that, right? Because they're like, I'm just I'm going to the yeah, bathroom. Totally. Um, but I've actually been yelled at in the bathroom. I've been told what? to get out of bathrooms. I've had people make very obvious point to give me dirty looks or even when we went to Pittsburgh in November this lady stopped in her tracks and looked me from head to toe in awe oh good and I just am like what you know and it's I try to act like I'm tough about it but yeah you know it hurts my feelings and it's like I said it makes it difficult for me to go so having uh gender neutral bathrooms in like public spaces so much easier is like a blessing like when I see it and I'm like this place we're coming back here for sure (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it does like things like that it does make a big deal because you know when you're just trying to go to the bathroom and you can't do that without fear of like being yelled at or shamed it's it's difficult yeah and so i would i can only imagine yeah so that's like one of the biggest things that i face sometimes when we're holding hands um 
in public we'll get some looks but no one's really outwardly said anything to us i mean i also feel like we're really lucky i mean we've talked about this too like living in california and i think in general minus probably the middle part of california Mm. um i feel like we're getting so to a point where i do feel like it's just you know accepting everyone is just part of our culture Mm -hmm. and i hope that so many other places can get to that point and they just respect people. Res- yeah. And I think, I mean, my audience, it's really interesting because we are, are we are in this super polarizing 2020, right? So it started with pandemic. It started with, and then it went to Black Lives Matter. And, you know, of course, pride and everything that's going on in your community and getting like huge legislation passed and things like that. And it's really funny because I talk about all those things on my platform. And I can honestly say I literally had one person one and this baffles my mind where someone objected to something that I post that's it which is crazy and I can say like this community here I know everyone who's gonna be listening to this is like as equally open and wants to hear these conversations and is here for that and I think to be in this place where people are so open to it and want to hear these conversations if you had like a tip or like a few maybe three tips or something that you could leave with the audience of how to help support your community and or to educate themselves i think uh one one big thing like well i just said it right now it's just to respect people you know i've heard stories and i've heard uh i ran into an issue with this in in massachusetts of um people making comments about like a transgender individual and you know their sexual organs and you know they present as female and they identify as female but they have certain characteristics and if that's the case then I'm not going to refer to them by what they want to be called you know what world do you live in just mm-hmm. if that's what they identify as that's who they, they they the pronouns that they have chosen for themselves that aligns with their gender just respect people you know I think um we have to accept that mistakes are made and I accept that when people misgender me, it's a mistake, you know, and they apologize and it's fine, you know, there's ways to go about things. But I think that we just need to be better at respecting people. And I think part of that too is also exposure and education. And so I think hospitals and uh, nursing schools, uh, you know, uh, medical schools and things like that need to educate about this as well so we can be more familiar we talk a lot about uh, culturally competent care and culturally competent care isn't just you know how to take care of the latino community and their health disparities it's a it's a community it's a cultural uh, community so lgbt community falls into that and so educating yourself on the health disparities associated with being a member of the lgbtq community and just being able to Come to the table, provide the most compassionate care, have the knowledge that you have, listen yeah. to people and the issues that they're facing, and be respectful. I think. I think too. Uh, you know, gender norms are a really big thing, and this is a society societal issue as a whole. But I think sometimes also in order to avoid misgendering people, you can use more uh, general terms, like say for example, instead of coming in saying "Hello, ma'am, can I get your meds?" Just be hi, how are you doing today? What can I get for you? You, We don't necessarily have to gender everything. And it's very deeply rooted. And I understand 
uh, in our society and everything. But that that could also be an approach that might help uh, prevent misgendering or yeah. um, awkward situations that can come from it. Yeah, well, I It'll mean... make the patient feel more comfortable. Totally, and I actually think this is really interesting because... Um, even with um, our babies in the NICU, sometimes you'll have a mom and a mom. You'll have a dad and a dad. There's a lot of different dynamics that we deal with daily. And mm-hmm. so I think that's actually a really good idea to tip. And, you know, you just never know. I, I think, you know, kind of taking a step back and being a little more general and getting to know, like, get your rapport going. And I feel like that's one of the best tips I feel like I've always had is, you know, I've had plenty of gay dads, um, gay moms. I've had, you know, we're, it's the spectrum is it's a pretty big spectrum. And so I think that's a really good idea. I think one thing I've heard in the NICU, and I think this is like maybe a um, kind of a, a stigma that's placed or a misconception or something, but uh, the reference to one parent as the mother and the father. Yeah. Avoid that. Yeah. Because it's two mothers. Parents. You can use the word term parents. Yeah. You know, there's but they'll be like, oh, so like who's, oh, like the, I, I've even heard people and it's, no, nah, I don't think people mean it to be harmful. I think it's kind of innocently, but being kind of like, oh, well, like they're kind of more of the mom. She plays more of the, oh, the dad role kind of, you know, and it's yeah. like, no, like they're both a mom. You, yeah, 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 you know, and I, we've gotten <laughs> that, we, we get that question more often than I'd like to admit is, so like who's more of the guy? Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm like you're like do I really need to answer that though really (laughs) I know it's that is an interesting because I do think this is such a thing in our society and this does talk to our society where it's like you have to be in this box Mm -hmm. it's like everyone has to be in this box and then we're also in this idea of everything has to be black and white and I'm like I don't know I've just always lived in gray so uh, to me it's like weird when people get so fixated on that where Mm -hmm. you need to be that it's like well just let it be what it is like and do you really need to know Right. I don't know. I mean, unless it's like a good friend of yours where you're having a great conversation and, you know, you want to understand like what is your dynamic. But it's like, like to me, it's so weird when people just need to know those things. Like if you want to talk about it, you can talk about it. Kind of. You know, yeah. like if we're having a conversation, like it's fine. It's but friends. Like, yeah. Friends. Yeah. I know you guys were in the process of possibly having children and adoption. Yeah. Where are you guys at with that right now? Or what's some hurdles that maybe you guys are facing and maybe to bring some of that to light? So... The process of, so my wife and I were trying to get pregnant. Um, We were doing IUI, which was uh, intrauterine insemination, um, which is kind of like the turkey baster thing versus (laughs) IVF. Okay. Although it's like way more scientific and they use like a catheter. They send it into the uterus. They use ultrasounds. Right. It's 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 very complex. It's very time intensive. Like it takes, like we were at the doctor like multiple times a week, especially near her ovulation. Um, You know, lots of ultrasounds, medications and things like that. However, you know, I think the fertility doctor that we're going to was not so used to providing care to LGBTQ individuals. And so his, he treated us as a infertility case, although we weren't infertile in that case. You know, right. it was just that we're two women trying to have a baby. Right. And he would make a lot of comments to us that were rather inappropriate. Um, I don't want to get into specifics about it yeah. so much. I don't know how much time we have. Yeah. But 
Unlimited. But, <laughs> unlimited. Um, but just really, we made it pretty clear that we had decided because we were open to the thought of adoption, and I understand that some people aren't so on board with that, um, that we did not want to do IVF. And we made that very clear from the beginning in every appointment. He was pushing, well, if you did IVF, it would be easier. If you did this, it would be easier. I told you if you did IVF, it's like more sure we would like for sure get you pregnant. What's, but he, just really quick, because I don't even know, what's the difference? Okay, so... Um, with IUI, there is a long catheter with semen, you know, has okay. a semen in there, drawn up in a syringe, and the catheter is inserted into the uterus, okay. and it is timed with ovulation, It's um, and it's injected into the uterus. Okay. However, with that, I don't know how people, like, accidentally get pregnant after doing this, but <laughs> there's only, like, a 20% <laughs> chance of getting pregnant, even with all of this, like, scientific wow. intervention. Okay. And so I don't know if it's extra difficult, like, thinking about it, if the stress of it and like how un kind of natural it feels um and and this is obviously speaking on behalf of my wife who had to actually go through this um with her own body but um might cause might contribute to that fact you know because you're not comfortable yeah you're very stressed very stressed that's a very sterile kind of environment you know it's not comfortable so i think that is what makes it like um kind of a, a, a difficult thing as well now so ivf which is in vitro it's um you know you have they do egg retrievals and they will fertilize the egg kind of like in a petri dish okay and um it's higher chances of getting pregnant i don't know what the percentage is um however it is also much more expensive and it's zero percent covered by insurance where iui was 80 percent covered by insurance that we had um and so, you know, obviously we're not made of money. So we had had to unfortunately be one of the um, deciding factors in this whole process as a whole. He also made a comment to us one time, like going through this and not being like talking about not being very empathetic and compassionate. He actually had us like miss an appointment because or skip a day because he was busy or something. And when we came back the next day and he missed her ovulation. So we paid to everything oh up God. to this point and he said oh, well we can't try it's not gonna work it's not even worth it and then he like looked us dead in the face and said well usually i would tell partners to go home and try on their own but obviously you guys can't Ooh, <laughs> it was like wow. oh like why kick really? us while we're down you know and i had like call, like i got someone to cover like the first half of my shift so i can come to this appointment and everything and it was totally. just like really and that's how you treat us it's gotta so, be so weird too i mean as a provider you know i feel like we we know so much we understand so much but being on the other side of it and feeling like the provider's not even giving you the you know amount of like love and respect that you would offer to your patients like that's mm-hmm. it's really frustrating yeah so um it was unfortunately not the experience that we were looking for. So now we're shifting our focus a little more towards adopting and going through that process. But with COVID and everything, you know, it got all kind of thrown off track. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get back to that. But. You're in uh, PNP school. Can you do a quick recap of that? So one positive thing about being in Massachusetts was that my school is actually in Massachusetts. So I'm doing an online PNP program. I decided to go with PNP versus uh, neonatal, or FNP. Um, you know, I was, I was I was more so I don't I didn't think about FNP as much just because I do really enjoy taking care of kids. You yeah. know, uh, but the thing with NNP is that 
it is a little more limiting in your options. You kind of have to work in the hospital setting. There might be some exceptions to it. Maybe you could work in a pediatric clinic or something. I'm not really sure, but for the most part, that's, and the role of the NNP role, I just wasn't sure that that was what I would want to do forever. And so with PNP, I did meet some PNPs that were working in the NICU you know, you can work, there's different roles in the children's hospital. You can work in primary care. Again, that's one thing I love about nursing in general. So I never really want to limit myself. So I decided to do that and I'm not a good in-class learner. I'm too much of a spaz. I have to like walk around. I've gotten in trouble in school. So when we talk about like being a good student, like I, in class, I'm a terrible student. I have a really hard time focusing. Um, so the you can online, walk around, do some squats, or yeah, like you can't get your blood move going. around a little bit. So yeah. the online learning platform has and format has really worked for me in that way. Just kind of being able to do it at my own pace, I guess. And so it's a part-time program. It's with Regis College, which is in. Um, Massachusetts and I was actually able to go visit the campus there. It was oh, beautiful. Cool. Um, and I usually take the first semester was like one class at a time. Now I'm taking two classes at a time. And so it's it's just enough work. You know, sometimes it's heavier weeks than others, but it's uh, they kind of release everything at the same time. So it's kind of easy to plan ahead, plan your life. And I just really have to be good at managing my time when it comes to working in doing school stuff do you have an ultimate goal yet of what you want to do when you're done with school i think when i'm done with school i would like to maybe try to work in the hospital setting for a year or so get some experience Mm -hmm. um from there my goal is to have a similar schedule to my future children so what i would love to do is like maybe drop them at school or we leave at the same time and valerie takes them to school and Uh, maybe I can pick them up from school be home and we can have dinner together I could be off on the weekends I can be off on the holidays Mm -hmm. so I guess it would shift my focus would kind of shift to like the primary care setting which is good too because I do feel passionate about primary care and preventative care talking about our healthcare system I think it's something that needs to be fixed so I want to put like energy into that yeah and I feel like you would be really good in that role thanks I, I I talked a little bit about my interest in like exercise and nutrition and I think we need to really use that as a tool uh, for health and mm-hmm. I it would be really cool I, I don't know where this will end up but I think it would be really cool to have or work in some kind of clinic that focused too on some kind of like holistic medicine yes um, functional medicine fo- yeah mm-hmm. focusing on uh, using nutrition as a tool especially when it comes to diabetic and pre-diabetic kids yeah. because diabetes in adolescence is becoming more prevalent as it ties along with childhood obesity and so I'd really like to try to help and contribute and do what I could to make a change as far as that issue goes so that we can, yeah. you know, it's a fi- it's not just like a healthcare burden, it's a financial burden on, you know, our society and things like that. And it just overall makes us a more unhealthy society. And I would, I would like to be able to change that somehow. That's awesome. Well, before we head out, um, do you have a quick tip for anyone going into the healthcare field or something you want to leave them with? Don't be afraid to do what makes you happy and take care of yourself. 
It's awesome. I think that's like the biggest thing I've got yeah. to say at all. I think that's a common thread with a lot of the people who come on here. So I love that. Self-care, baby. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so is there a book, a resource, a podcast, or something you can leave our audience with today that you really love? So um, I actually just was on a podcast yesterday. Ooh. Um, it's called The Health Queer Advocate. My friend Cynthia is running it. She's a registered nurse. And we talked yesterday a little bit about the difference between sex and gender and the difference between sexual orientation and gender identity. Uh, The aim of this podcast is kind of to be an educational platform for healthcare providers and, you know, provide that kind of education that's kind of lacking. There's not a lot of resource on like the LGBTQ community and how it affects healthcare, how to approach it in healthcare. So that's kind of like the aim of this. Also some discrimination and stuff that is faced in healthcare that, um, you know, healthcare providers might not even be aware of. Totally. Um, and so th- that's kind of been like a cool resource uh, lately. Uh, so mm-hmm. I would tune into that. Awesome. We're going to have to get, we'll link that too in the show notes for everybody. So, and then um, pimp yourself out. Where can everybody find you? Yeah, mostly on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Vantru. It's at V-A-N-T-R-U. Yeah. Uh, my account, I'm pretty sure, is still public. And so cool. go ahead and give me a follow. And if anyone yeah, wants give to her talk, follow. I'm always here. Totally. Slip in her DMs. Ask a great question. I feel like that would be a good, you're a great resource for everybody. Totally so Especially about LGBTQ issues. I can try to answer questions about yes. that. I can't speak for everyone, but I can try to help out about questions with that. I love that. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for coming on today, well, Thank Vanessa. you for having me. I'm We're so happy so to be glad. here. Very, so glad to very... see you. It's been forever. I know. It's been far too long. Yeah. This is ridiculous. So maybe I'll come in and do a travel assignment one of these days. You're, you're inspiring me. <laughs> Holy smokes. Thank you so much, Vanessa, for coming in. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I learned so much over the last two episodes. And I feel very lucky that we're in this time that we can have these conversations and learn so much. If you guys are not already following her or if you have questions for her, head over to her Instagram. That's at V-A-N-T-R-U, Vantru, and slip into her DMs. Ask her question. I know that she would be so happy to speak with you guys. So definitely head over to check her out. And I know over the course of the past two episodes, we talked a lot about mental health, not only as a COVID frontline provider, but also just all the craziness sort of going on right now. And if you or someone you know is struggling, please head over to BetterHelp. And I really want to use this as a resource to you guys. If you head over to betterhelp.com forward slash selfie, they will give you a 10% off of your first month when you sign up. So, and it's super easy. You take this quiz, but I'm you guys know I'm a huge advocate for mental health and I feel like so many of us who are working right now, regardless of how frontline quote unquote you are, whether that's a clinic setting as a primary care provider in the ICUs, pediatric adult world, you know, we're all feeling it right now. So I really wanted to stress that to everyone um, on this episode. I think the next couple episodes, I actually really want to thank BetterHelp for this because this couldn't have come at a better time to partner with them. Um, So I'm, I'm a, big advocate for this. It's so easy. It's from the convenience of your home. And I really want to send it as a resource to you guys. So 
Once again, thank you to all of my selfie podcast listeners. You guys, this platform would be absolutely nothing without you. So thank you guys again for your time and being here with me every week. And in order to support the show, please, please, please head over to rate and review the show. I love reading your reviews and seeing your favorite part of the show, something that you took away, a tidbit. It just literally warms my heart. And as you guys know, so we started with some small selfie swag. So when you guys leave your review, please leave your Insta handle and we're going to send over some super cute stickers and a selfie badge reel featuring Selena, our selfie icon. Make sure you're following us on our Insta at C-E-L-L-F-I-E underscore podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. You can find all of our episodes on www.tipsfromtory.com and make sure you check out these show notes. You guys swipe up and check out all the information about our guests and of course our amazing sponsors and thank you so much you guys for listening catch you on tuesday